Welcome back to Season 2 of Modern Day Rosies. I'm your host, Savannah, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Sharita Butler, the Regional Director of Patient Access at a North Texas healthcare facility. She's smart, organized, and manages to maintain a great sense of humor. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited. Yes, ma'am. Hi, Jackson. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so if he's fighting monsters or something in the back, please disregard. We took free to dance, so we're just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> fighting monsters in the back seat. <laughs> you know what? You're both heroes. It's great. It's great. So what does it mean to be a regional director of patient access? So within my role, uh, it's a it's a function within the revenue cycle department. So my team is responsible for managing pretty much everything up until the patient is seen for their clinical procedure. So we handle the scheduling. We verify their benefits to see how much they owe. And if they have insurance coverage, we collect payments from them. We provide them with financial counseling options that are available. Um, when they come to the facility, we do all their registration. So we're getting their demographics and insurance card and <laughs> driver's license and getting all their signatures and consent, stating that we can perform whatever procedure they're scheduled for. And then we armband them, give them the labels they need so they can sticker any labs they have done during their visit. And we send them on up. And so by the time they go to the clinical staff, they can identify the patient and they start the procedure. That's awesome. Do you, so what are the armbands? I mean, I've never been to the hospital, thankfully knock on wood. <laughs> um, what, what kind of, what is the armbands like? Do, is it different colors or like you mark, you know? White. And they have like the patient's name and date of birth. And we have something called the medical oh, record oh, yeah. number. So it identifies them. So that way, when you're in the hospital, if you need to have labs drawn, it's an extra way for the nurses to make sure they're giving the appropriate care to the right person. Okay. How long have you been with um, this healthcare organization? I started with them in February, but I've been doing this type of work in a hospital setting, gosh, since 2014. Um, and then before that, I did clinic management. So my first true healthcare job was in 2007. Wow. Can you kind of like walk me through kind of the career progression? You said healthcare job was in 2007. So then you worked in it. So I doctor's office and I was working as a receptionist. So I just did the basic check-in and collected co-pays. Um, like what you would see at your family practice when you go get the physical. And then I was working on my master's degree then and going to night school. So I was um, working during the day and going to Fort Worth from Flower Mound wow. uh, twice a week and did that for two years. And then in the middle of being in school, I got promoted to be a supervisor at this company. And by the time I left, I was a area practice administrator. So I did similar work, but for doctor's offices. And I had four different locations in Collin County. And so um, after that, I wanted to get more into the hospital side of things and out of clinics. And so that's when I went downtown and worked at Children's, got me into the hospital world. And so I, I've loved it ever since. And so it's kind of where my passion is and trying to help patients 
from the front end because it, it's so confusing. Patients don't understand insurance at all. And they're just like, what? I thought I have insurance. That's all I need. And it's so much more. What would be one thing that if you could tell your patients, what would you want them to know? I wish they could truly understand how much they owe before they sign up for different plans. A lot of insurance carriers now will try to entice you by saying, oh, you only have to pay like $20 a month. It's great, which that's possible. But then they don't realize they have what's called a deductible, which can be like $5,000. And in those circumstances, you can have to pay $5,000 out of pocket before your insurance pays anything. A lot of insurances are going that direction because it, it keeps them from having to pay as much. But it's such a dissatisfier to the patients. And a lot of them don't realize that until they get their bill. Yeah, that's that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's good what you guys are doing to try to, to like tell the people, hey, this is this is your policy, but it stinks right. to see that patient. Wow. It does. So you talked talked a little bit about your college and degree. What what did you get your degree in? What did you get your undergrad and then your master's? Yes, my undergrad was in community health and biology. And then my grad degree was in healthcare administration and management. Initially, I thought I was going to go clinical, like be a physical therapist or pharmacist. And then once I got into it and did the classes and kind of saw all the extra that was required post undergrad, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so how did you kind of find, you know, hospital ad administration? Like, did you... I guess from kind of all the working with wanting to be a PT, then you're kind of like, oh. Yeah. So in my junior year of college, I worked at a physical therapy office. I got a job intern and they ended up hiring me on. So I was there for like a year and a half and they had me kind of functioning like a PT assistant without the certification, which was really nice to see how that worked. But then they had me doing some administrative office work. And so I'm like the organized freak of nature that likes to do all of that. And I was like, I actually the paperwork more than like the hands-on with the patients because the patients was fun, but then like, you know, I had some athletes that were heavy and I'm trying to lift their legs and do all this stuff and maneuvering them and then kind of watching the therapist who owned the practice and how much work he was doing with like going to have to, to go to football games and rodeos and practice. I was like, I want to have a family. So I know I want to have a job that's closer to an eight to five, not having to pick up all these trades, you know, to, to make ends meet. So that yeah. led me to start looking for, you know, what are some grad school options? Cause I knew I couldn't just survive on a bachelor's degree. I felt like I needed more than that. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> crazy <laughs> no like I feel like that's kind of similar to, to my path with like radio is I started doing some radio management and I'm like wow like that sounds like fun I know we'll be managers together Miss Butler <laughs> I mean, actually I'd be down for a career change I feel like and I love healthcare. don't get me wrong but I feel like I don't know our generation and younger we're going for things that have more of a different type of meaning and so mm -hmm. yeah hire me on man i'm down <laughs> all right all right when i open up my radio station i'll definitely give you a call i'll be like all right miss butler you remember <laughs> i got it I, got, I have this recorded so you can't back out <laughs> so funny so how has covid19 affected your job it's changed it quite a bit um we're all required to wear masks every day all day 
we have to get screened at the front door. So we have to go into our one of our applications and answer these questions to make sure that we don't have any of the symptoms. And then they check our temperature every day. We had to invest a lot of money in installing the plexiglass in all of our desk areas, providing a lot of education to the staff since my staff are not clinical. This has really made them extremely anxious, um, just having to be around those patients that potentially could have it. A positive patient has to come in to be seen for something else, create a process to where we don't have to interact with them face-to-face. In our emergency room, we've had to result to calling patients, getting, you know, creating workflows where um, we get their personal information early, so that way we call them without having to go into the room. Um, and then those who have to come in for just like a radiology procedure or something, we were having to have them go in the back and have the clinical staff register them for us by giving them paperwork. And it's just a lot of extra steps we created to try to keep everyone safe. And, and then those individuals, we can't let them sit in the lobby because then it's contaminating areas and, but you don't want them to feel like they're a test dummy either. (laughs) And that's probably the hardest because a lot of the staff initially, when we didn't really understand what this was, were they were so nervous. They were like backing away from the patient and just oh, like no. you could see on their face, they were deathly scared. And of course, I just, how do you feel as a patient? You know, knowing that the one place I feel like I should be safe and people are scared around me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be horrible. Um yeah, it was a lot. Our numbers went up quite a bit, and then they trickled. They're trickling back down now, so we're hoping it kind of stays the same. But I think it's just it's changed our world, and we don't know like when we'll be able to go without wearing masks every day and and all yeah. of that stuff. So that's that's different. <laughs> Definitely. Can you just kind of estimate for me the makeup of like the women executives? Like like how many women executives are at your healthcare facility? Sure. Um, so taking yourself like, included. Yeah. When you look at like VP and above, there are three. Wow. Yeah. And directors, because of the nursing aspect of the hospital, there are more because, you know, most of the nurses are female. But when you take the operation side of everything and the presidents and the chief medical officers, they're all male. Wow. So. We are definitely a minority. (laughs) Okay. I mean, how does that make you feel like to? It's interesting. I'm always polling people trying to figure out like their career path and what do they do to get into the position they're in? Because I don't feel like I'm at a stopping point. So I still want to grow. But yeah, sometimes it can be discouraging seeing that the opportunities are not equal. But I do see similar career paths with the women that are in those BP roles have followed very similar paths mm. as the males that did so as well. A lot of it was networking and, and who you know. So I don't think that ever goes away. <laughs> hey, you'll get there. I'll be I'll be calling you back for another interview. I'll be like, so Miss VP, uh, oh my if if I don't get you into radio first. Oh then, yeah. <laughs> So how do you see the field as a whole kind of evolving with whether that's with COVID or with, you know, your career progression, you know, how, how do you, where do you see the medical industry going? It's kind of nerve wracking because I feel like we're one of the few industries that has not stood still. We, I mean, there has not been a pause at all during this whole ordeal. 
Yet I see a lot of organizations having to do cuts and laying off people. And it's hard to see that knowing, you know, we put so much effort and work into it, but financially we're not meeting the metrics that are required. So at the end of the day, we're having to let go people. So it makes me anxious. I see a lot of different, more innovative ways that people are trying to do healthcare now where it's virtual and and things like that. And so I've always heard over time, they feel like hospitals are they're going to be dinosaurs in the future. Like people start going to the surgery centers to have surgeries done and the hospitals are just going to be meant for those who are really deathly ill. So that is discouraging because I, I really don't know. I don't, I know the funding is not there. Um, and the more people that have plans that aren't paying as much, it's becoming a just you know, something that they don't want to go to the doctor. They're waiting to go until it's like an, an issue. I can relate to that. <laughs> I, I can too. But it's, it's horrible to say. <laughs> and most of that is because I get a credit, a wellness credit or whatever on my insurance. And it gives me peace of mind. Like, okay, my labs are okay. But yeah. other than that, no, I don't want to go. Unless I'm dying, unless I'm dead, (laughs) (laughs) which is not good. (laughs) Did you, or do you have a mentor and then what advice did they give you? I have had a mentor in the past. I still keep up with friends that are in healthcare that we kind of mentor each other. I've actually asked for that in a previous role, which is why I've moved on just because I feel like that's needed in every career to, to have someone give you that guidance. I feel like I've served in that capacity a lot for others, which I love doing that. I love to give the guidance people need to get into this role um, or and more. But when I did have a mentor, it was always, I think the best piece of advice was just not getting discouraged and not giving up and really trying to find your passion, your why. You know, don't just do a job because it's making decent money. Do the job because you really enjoy it. And there are things in healthcare that I disagree with. I think everyone does. Um, but at the end of the day, when I look at the big picture of this field and how, how many people were impacting not only patients, but my team members, that's what gives me the motivation to go to work every day. That's really good advice. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I think that can be applied to, to other fields too, you know, like if you're enjoying what you do and keep doing it, you know, and if you're not, then you know, maybe right. it's time for a change. Absolutely. Yeah. So with my team members, you know, a lot of them will um, start getting that itch to want to try something new and you can truly tell it in their demeanor when they're ready to go. Um, but they just haven't taken that leap of faith. So I usually use that as an opportunity to, you know, explain I appreciate your loyalty, but if you're not happy, you need to find something that makes you happy. So people typically think of nurses or labor delivery doctors as women's roles in in hospitals, which stinks. Um, how can we, well, I mean, it's true, it's based in truth, but, but it's kind of discouraging for the other women that aren't in those fields. Uh, how can we shift the perspective to get more women into executive or executive operational roles? I think opening up that door to opportunity um, in regards to reaching out to your stronger leaders to see um, what their interests are and giving them chances to take on projects. I think a lot of people 
would like to have someone approach them before they're willing to just jump up and just apply for a position for due to fear of failure. And I don't think there's enough of that coaching and, and mentoring, so to speak, for those who they feel have potential. I think it's just an expectation that people think, oh, a position's posted. If you want it, you should apply. But I really feel I would not be in the place I am in my career if I didn't have mentors along my path that encouraged me to do it. And I'm sure that that works on both ends. You know, like you have to to apply, but then also kind of reach out to the person doing the hiring and say like, hey, like I'm really interested in this position. You know what? Maybe if I'm not, you know, don't have all the skills yet for this one, what can I do to to get those skills and Mm -hmm. go from there? Yep, definitely. What advice would you give to women who want to work in hospital or business administration? Um, Do your research. Really understand what you're getting yourself into and be able to speak to that. Um, I feel like I've done so many interviews in my little career that I've had, (laughs) but that is really the defining point of whether you get the job or not, which is crazy to me, regardless of how well you've done in your previous world. Um, you have to really be well versed on this field. So definitely knowing your history and the background and especially wherever you're applying to being able to speak to information that's online about that organization. It shows you're fully vested and you really have a passion for it. I love it. I love it. So you are also a mom of two young children, um, as we can definitely hear Jackson in the background. He's being great. (laughs) How have you and your husband balanced work and home, you know, especially with your job being in an industry that is on the front lines of a pandemic? Oh, it's been stressful with the at-home schooling from March to September 2nd, you know, a little bit off in the summer, but trying to balance it and figure out who's going to take the road you know, the responsibility for the day or the week, um, utilizing family and friends to help us as much as possible has been key. And then really just trying to use the weekends to unwind and like regroup before we start back over on the, the weekday. <laughs> and that's, and that's helped. It has been a struggle too, because we're a play that likes to be on the go. Like we like to go take the kids places and do things and, the most we've done this summer, other than going out to a restaurant every blue moon, is to the zoo. Like, that is depressing. <laughs> hey, hey, the zoo is fun. <laughs> the zoo is fun. But it's like, that's it. Like, yeah. no, nothing. It, it's rough. It's probably rougher on me than anyone else because I like to just be, like, on the go and planning. Oh, yeah. I like planning. And there's nothing to plan for. <laughs> so, it's rough. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> And the kids entertained you because even though Jackson's so young, he's used to us being on the go. So he would always be like, let's go. Let's go to the store. Let's go here. And it's like, oh, we can't. So, yeah, they've struggled with that. <laughs> I can, And I can totally see it happening, too. I, you can see. Yes. Because both your kids are so active and very involved. And Avery, she's a little extrovert. She's even more talkative now, I feel, than she was. So to have to tell. <laughs> Sorry, go to dance, and no, you can't go to the school, and no, you can't do soccer. Like, she struggled as well, not having those activities available until just recently, so. Yeah. And then, lastly, what would you say has been your greatest accomplishment? 
I feel like outside of your kids, because I feel like I know you would obviously say, you know, your kids, because they're amazing. <laughs> Not that I'm biased in any way. <laughs> um, I would say the whole gamut of trying to be a good wife and career woman and mother. Balancing the three, because I've struggled on and off with, you know, am I putting too much focus in work? Or am I not putting enough focus in the kids? Or, you know, am I giving Dwayne enough time because I'm sleepy? <laughs> and so really trying to balance that. And at the end of the day, when, you know, I hear the kids or even Dwayne say something like, I really appreciate you. Or it gives me that confirmation that, okay, this is, this is my purpose. Even though there's days when I'm like, I just need to win the lottery and call it a day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Definitely. It's great to see the difference that I can make in my family's life. And I think it requires all three of those things because I probably wouldn't be a good mother or wife if I'd stayed home all the time. Mm-hmm. Because I need something to keep my brain busy. Even though I tell myself I could be a stay-at-home mom, I probably couldn't. <laughs> you'd be planning stuff everywhere. You know, you'd... We'd be broke because <laughs> I'd always be doing something. Because I, I got to do. Like, even days I take off, I'm, like, at Walmart or Target or something. But, yeah, I think I've molded myself, hopefully, in the best way possible to be able to manage all three. Hopefully. I think you've done a good job of that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you'd like to add that I didn't touch on that you wanted to kind of share about you know, your career, your you know life, just experiences, anything like that? Um, I don't think so. Your questions are really good, ma'am. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so doing this. So awesome. Aww. So, so- well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so great. So great. I'm honored you chose me. Bye, Mommy. Of course. Told me to say bye. Bye, Jackson. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Modern Day Rosies.